Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. And uh, our guest today is Pastor Jack Haynes. Pastor Jack and Carol are the senior pastors of Imaginations Church uh, in Penrith, the mighty home of the Panthers. Don't know if you saw the footy last night. Ten of the players in a prayer huddle at the end of the game. I've never seen that in my life. Quite a remarkable story. They are the senior pastors there in Penrith. They have a church in um, Canberra uh, that is not long launched. They have a church in Melbourne. They have a church in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where I've been. And, um, and their church is one of the leading missions churches in Australia. They literally have given millions of dollars to missions and missionaries around the world. And uh, Pastor Jack is, um, well, he and Carol, uh, to Brian and I, we think of them not only as our friends, but our pastors. And he is one of the great speakers in the Australian church, maybe the best. And uh, in right across the church in Australia, in fact, I sent off an email yesterday, see if it's not too late, if we can get him for our state conference. But will you really, really, really make Pastor Jack welcome as he comes. Cool boots. I like those boots. Hey, just before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and just say, you get better looking every time I see you. You know it's true. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, it's a joy to be back in Tamworth. We have family here now, so we are well invested in Tamworth. So I sent a text the other day to uh, Pastor, uh, you know, Daz and Bronnie together. I was a text and I included them both. And I said, hey, want to do a pulpit swap? Because I have family up here now, you see. And so actually, and they have family in Sydney, you see. And so uh, I just sent it out there to both of them. And um, I, and I, I thought they'll work out what that, what that would look like. And I found out that Bronnie was coming. And I knew, I knew we got an upgrade. We got an upgrade. And so, <laughs> and Daz, I love you. You're my hero, mate. You are absolutely my hero. But Bronnie can bring it to the house. And she's doing that exactly right now while I'm speaking. So Penrith got a big upgrade today. Not from Daz, but from me. I mean, anyway, to God be the glory. Well, I, I really loved and appreciated the worship this morning. And it was like every song you sang had this fearless theme in it, this bold theme that we, we just won't be afraid. And I'm so grateful for that. Our theme this year, so Bronnie and I were kind of going back and forth about, you know, our talk today, and she was saying that you guys are talking from the book of John, and so I can quote a scripture from John. That's not a problem. But I told her that our theme this year is fearless. And that we are seeking to create a courage culture. And then as I looked at my notes, my two main points today are both based on the foundational scripture of John. So I think we've, we've worked it out together. And actually, this is the message I preached last week. In our, well, actually, Carol preached uh, Mother's Day, but when I did preach two weeks ago. So this is the freshest message I have in my heart. And I pray that it will touch you and bless you. I want to, I'm titled this message, 
today from a quote that I read many years ago as a young man by A.W. Tozier. If you've not read Tozier, read Tozier. If you've not read Tozier, I'm jealous of you because you have a whole world about to open to you that'll just be amazing. I've never seen anyone more fearless than A.W. Tozier when it comes to speaking to my heart or to the church. He's, he's just amazing. A.W. Tozier said this, a frightened world needs a fearless church. And so that's what I'd like to entitle this message today. A frightened world needs a fearless church. When Tozier wrote that, it was probably the 1960s. And if it were true in the 1960s, how much more true would that be today in the 2020s? The world is frightened. A frightened world does not need a confused church. A frightened world does not need a compromised church or a church that's conformed to the world, but they need a church that is a contrast for the world. Sometimes in my thinking, which I don't get it right so many times, but I think what the world needs is a cool church, but what the world really needs is a courageous church. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, help me be contemporary. And the Lord's saying, well, look, you've never been very cool or contemporary in your life. Just focus on being courageous. And if you can do cool, do it. I love it. It's great. It just, I can't reach it. I can't grasp it. But it's our courage that the world really needs. Family, the world is scared. Over two years of a global pandemic, we've never seen anything like that in our generation. Depending on what website you go to, during those two years of lockdown, 6,245,609 recorded COVID deaths. People wake up every morning to war in Europe. In our lifetime, the finger has never been on the nuclear trigger closer and more uh, than it is right now. There is fear in the earth. The world is scared. And here in Australia, we know about famines, fires, and floods, and we know about them all in one year. In 12 months, we can face those things. But it's not new. It's not like, oh, what is this? This is like, is this? No, it's not new because hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the psalmist said in Psalm 91 that, that he would not be afraid of the terrors by night or the, or the arrows that fly by day or the diseases that stalk in the darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. So it's not new in the earth that there would be fear. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. A frightened world needs a fearless church. We read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, Beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, how many know that's where people are living all over the earth today? They are living in the land where death casts its shadow. Upon those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. A light 
a light of hope, a light of guidance, a light of help, a light has shined. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, you are that light. You are the light that shines in the land where death is casting its shadow and people wake up frightened every day. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In a world where death casts its shadow, a fearless church casts her light. And the world is desperate for that church right now. A fearless church is the hope of a frightened world. The church, I know she's maligned. I know she's, you know, fallible. I know all that stuff. But the church the church. I'm telling you, when God formed the universe, he formed it with the church in mind. He created the universe so that he could put a world in our solar system so that on that world would come forth a people that would become his church. This has been God's eye and idea from the get-go. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, we read that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him, the Lord Jesus, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and dominion and power, far above all empires and all governments and all civilizations and all societies and all trends and all cultures, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Paul says not only in this age, which was the age of Rome, the Roman Empire, in the time of Nero, in the time when Rome covered the earth, Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That's us. We're that age to come that he was talking about. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. One translation says, for the sake of the church. The church, which is his body. The church, the fullness of him who fills it all. The church. The message says it this way, verse 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. In other words, here's the world. And over here somewhere in the periphery, if you've got a little peripheral vision, you know, and you're not too glaucomic, you know, and you can see in the peripheral, oh, here's the, oh, there she is. I can, wait, I can, right there. There she is. Here's the world. Here's the government. Here's the nations of the world. And there she is. No, listen to this scripture. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I know, you know, media won't make it look that way, but it's the world It is governments. It is rising and falling of nations that is peripheral. The church of Jesus Christ is what he will build, and it will outlast anything and everything that has ever been on this planet. The church is the hope of humanity. The church is the salt of the earth. The church is the light of the world. A frightened world does not need a frightened church. The world needs a church that is confident and convicted 
and committed and convinced that Jesus is Lord of all, that Jesus is risen from the dead, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. A fearless church and a courage culture in her midst. So, what does a fearless church look like? And this is the question I asked two weeks ago, and I began to think about it and speak about it, and I want to share with you the beginning of this series on what a fearless church looks like. So what does a fearless church look like? Well, first, we had Easter just a few weeks ago, and we celebrated the resurrection, and we decreed and declared that Jesus conquered death. And we know that, and we believe that. And if you're a follower of Christ, a totally committed follower of Christ, that's just, that's our foundation, that Jesus conquered death. We know that. But Jesus did something even more amazing than conquering death. He conquered the fear of it. We read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. How many know Jesus not only came for us, he came as us. He came for us, as us. And everything he did for us, he did as us. He came in the flesh. This is what we're reading here right now. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, we all say, yes, amen, that's great, we love it, but we, don't, we forget this and, and, he not only did that, and Release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death covers humanity. The Good News Bible says it like this. In this way, set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. How many know there's the bully and then there's the fear of the bully? And okay, somebody can tell you, well, the bully's, he's not so bad. But, it's, but the fear of the bully is worse than the bully. And death is the bully. But Jesus, oh, sounded like amen to me. Like, sounded like a real sweet amen. My grandpa ears heard that, hallelujah. The Good News Bible says, in this way set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. The message says it this way. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death as us, for us and as us. And then watch this, I love this. By embracing death, so here is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Here is Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps on the scene, opens up his arms, and embraces death. Life, God life, the life of God embraces death. 
And the message says it like this. I like it. It says, by embracing death, taking it into himself. Watch. Jesus did this. He went, and he goes, and he just took all of death into himself. He breathed it in. But when he breathed it out, death was done. When he breathed it out, I mean, think of that week before that Jesus rose from the dead. That was a bad week for death. I mean, he just hours before raised Lazarus from the dead. He dies, he's raised from the dead, and then a whole bunch of people come out of their graves walking around town. I mean, death had a bottom kicking. I'm in Tamworth, had a butt kicking that week. I'm not in Sydney. Listen to, to this, I love it. By embracing death, taking it unto himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death, wait for it, and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Jesus not only conquered death, he conquered the fear of dying. You see, there's death, and then there's something greater than death, and that is the fear of death, and Jesus destroyed them both. I am done with the fear of dying. And so are you. And so is every totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was 10 years old when I realized for the first time that I was going to die. And I had a panic attack. I, began, I, thought I, was, I thought I was dying just thinking about dying. And, die, and, and the fear of death has gripped humanity. And I stand here today humbled by my master, by my Savior who came for me as me. He came for us as us and defeated the devil and defeated death and defeated the fear of it. I'm done with the fear of dying. And so are you, my brother and my sister. And then the apostle Paul, he just takes this thought and he just takes this theme. And listen to how Paul deals with the dread of dying. Paul says in Philippians 1, 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is dread. No, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is gain. The message says, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. I can't lose, and neither can you. It's not life versus death for the totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's life versus more life. I mean, I can't lose. The dice are loaded in my favor. If As we play dice in heaven, I don't know, whatever. Paul continues this theme. He doesn't give up on it. You know, come on, Paul, let's not have a party and talk about death. Now, he won't let this go. He, a few verses later, he's still talking about it. And this is what it says in verse 23, message version. Hard choice. Hard choice. You know, this living and dying. So he says, hard choice. The desire to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. And some days I can think of nothing better. See, Paul faced death every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday of his life. I mean, death pursued and stalked Paul all of his life. He'd wake up every day, today might be the day. And so this 
thing of dying was just a part of his life. It was a part of his ministry. And I just love the way he talks about it. No dread, no distress, no anxiety, no alarm, no apprehension, no trepidation. Fearless, not fearful. And now, my foundation scripture in John, chapter 5, verse 24. I told Brahman I would do this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. How many know that's the truth? When the truth tells the truth, I am the way that, you know, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't have to say I tell the truth, but the truth is telling the truth, and he wants you to know specifically in this verse, this moment, that the truth is really telling the truth. So get this. Lean into this because I tell you the truth, Jesus says. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have, look at the tense, not will get, have eternal life. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. And there's three things he says in this truth that he tells us. When we believe in him and follow him, we have eternal life. Look at this next part. He says, I tell you the truth. They will never be condemned for their sins. I tell you the truth. You will never be condemned for your sins. And you know, that's what the dread of death is anyway. It's the thought of a sinner dying. You know, and standing before God, death, where is the sting? It's sin. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You already, you, you already have eternal life. And here's the truth. And I know the devil would lie to you and beat you up and get you all messed up, but you will never be condemned for your sins. Are you a Christ follower? Have you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ? You will never be condemned for your sins. I tell you the truth. Somebody right there ought to get up and run around the building and go, hot dog, that's me he's talking about. And then he says this, I tell you the truth, it's all still in the same breath. I tell you the truth, they already have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, and they have already passed from death to life. Wasn't it painless? They have already, I hardly remember it happening. I never felt a thing. That was it. They have already passed from death unto life. You and I have already passed from death unto life. Here's the truth. You have more life in you than death is ever going to be able to handle. When death comes knocking, death's going to go, I cannot swallow this. It's too big for me. You are so full of life. You have eternal life. You have the God life. You are never going to be condemned for your sins. And there's nothing in you that death can handle. The Lord Jesus not only defeated death, he released us from the fear of death that has bound us all of our life. So instead of cowering and cringing, we are confident and we are convinced and we are courageous and we are fierce followers of Christ who have no fear of dying. That is what a fearless church looks like. How would you like to meet an enemy like that on the field of battle? A fierce follower of Christ who has no fear of dying because I'm just gonna go from life to more life. So what does a fearless church look like? Well, firstly, she's not afraid of death. And secondly, she's not afraid of man. Now in Acts chapter three, a great thing happens. 
Peter and John go up to the temple to pray. I, mean, I might even have a, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So here's what happens this day. This is Acts chapter 3. Peter and John go to pray. They find a lame man on the way. He held out his palm, and he asked for an alm, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he went walking and leaping and praising God. He went walking and leaping and praising God. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Don't you love that old song? Aren't you glad I didn't sing it? Aren't you glad I rapped it? Better than I sung it. And so, beautiful story. We love this story, but I cannot tell you the trouble it got the disciples into. They got arrested over this. This lame man from birth had been at that gate. Everybody for decades who had ever gone to the temple walked right past him. Every Pharisee, every Sadducee, every scribe, every person who had ever walked up to the temple walked past this man who had been there from birth. He was just a fixture. He was just part of the temple. Uh, ornament as you, as you walked in. But that day, he gets the miracle of Jesus. He rises up. And I love it says when he went into the temple, he just kept clinging to Peter and John, just clinging to them. Everywhere they went, he was just like this with them. You know, everyone was happy except the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, and all that. So now chapter four is bad. They're arrested. They're in trouble. And here's what we read, verse 17. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. That's it. So they called the apostles back in, and they commanded them, never, never, ever again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said, What? <coughs> Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Uh, uh, we cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. So look, you do you. You do what you got to do. We're going to do Jesus, and we're going to do everything we got to do, and whatever happens, happens. But we cannot stop talking and singing and preaching and declaring and decreeing Jesus. That's what a fearless church looks like. A fearless church does not live for the opinion or the appraisal or the approval of the media or men. Fierce followers of Christ who do not need their applause. They're peripheral to me. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Do you know this uh, Hebrew word, mokish, snare? It literally means a noose. The fear of man brings a mokish, a noose. And there is nothing more dreadful to look at as an emblem of any kind than a noose. The New Living Translation says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. The message says the fear of human opinion disables. The Good News Bible says it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think about you. Well, man, that just shoots Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram right in the foot right there. I think every one of us, before we go on to our little social media feed, we need to take this verse of Scripture, put it right at the top of our computer, and read it. It says it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you.
as a fierce follower of Christ, I'm not living for the likes of men. I'm living for the love of God. The opinion of God, not the approval of men. That's what's going to last. Culture shifts and changes every day. Winds and sand and moves and this is in and that's out and that's out and this is in. The opinion of God, not the approval of man. Galatians 1.10, the apostle said, Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Come on, church. Come on, church. we got to get brave and big and bold enough to lay hold of this thought and this teaching to live fearlessly in this day and age that we live in. The New Living Translation says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Yeah, good luck with that. As soon as you get someone's approval, you just got someone's disapproval. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. As fierce followers of Christ, we do not need the fame of men, but I pray every day for the flame of God, I can tell you that. Now, here's my scripture in John. This is my foundational scripture for this thought. John chapter 12, verse 42. Many people, many people did believe in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many people did believe in him. But the next word is not hallelujah. The next word is however. Uh Uh-oh. That should not be a however. That should be a hallelujah. Many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders. Ooh, that ought to be booyah. But it's not booyah. The next word is but. However, oh, many believed in him. However, including some of the chief priests. But, and here's what we read. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would cancel them. For fear, the actual word is expel them. It's exactly cancel them. They believed, but they were afraid. They didn't admit it because they thought they might be canceled from the synagogue. And then it says this, for, this is why, this is why, they, imagine being a Christian like that. One foot here in the kingdom of God, one foot over here being liked and loved and appreciated and approved by everybody, and they're liking me and God's liking me. And here I am in the, in the there's a but and a however in there that just makes life miserable. It just waters everything down. I'm no good at the world and I'm no good at the church when I've got my foot in both of those places. I mean, you're going to be better in the world if you just get out of the church and go to the world, or you're going to be better in the church if you just get out of the world and go into the church. But here's why. Here's why. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. This is what believing in Jesus and fearing people produces. The message says it like this. When push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. But I tell you, a fearless church cares more for God's glory than human approval. So what is a fearless church? It is fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. And it is bold believers in Jesus who are not afraid of men. Fearless. This is the culture we want to create and raise our children in. This is the culture 
This is the culture that we're seeking to establish for our families and our future, a courage culture. The last two years, the culture has been nothing but fear, fear. My daughter told me one day, not too long ago, as we were walking, she said, have you heard this new hashtag phrase called fear porn? Fear porn. I didn't even know there was such a word. I'd never even heard of such a thing. Fear porn. And I went and looked up, and that day on Instagram, there were 5,000 hashtag fear porns on just that. And I thought, what the heck is, what is going on? Went online, found out that the Collier's Dictionary actually has a definition for fear porn. And it's the media using all of the terrible things of the day to keep you in fear. That's what the dictionary definition of it is. Come on, family. Somebody's got to not be afraid. Somebody's got to just not be afraid. My last scripture, and if our team, if our, my last scripture, our pianist or keyboardist or whoever would like to come, fearless. So here's my last scripture, Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and 75. It says this, we have been rescued from our enemies. So we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Man, I'm in. Sign me up for this, that I could serve God as long as I live, and I can serve him without fear. World's got to do what it's got to do. Church got to do what it's got to do. I just know the church is going to outlast the world. And I just know that when the kingdoms fade and fall, the church of Jesus Christ is going to go from strength to strength, and one day she's going to go right out of here. I choose with all of my heart to serve God like this, to serve God without fear for as long as I live. How many are with me? How many are with me? I want to serve God. Come on, with all of my heart. I want to serve God all of my life, and I want to serve him without fear. I don't want to wake up in the morning thinking about, thinking about, some. stop it, stop it. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the world needs you and me to be fearless. A frightened world needs a fearless church. Fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. Bold believers in Jesus who are not afraid of man. And sometime this week, I'm going to write this next thought. Daring disciples of Christ who are not afraid of the dark. <clears throat> I got to go there. Stand to your feet with me for a moment, please. Oh, man. A frightened world does not need a frightened church. A frightened world needs a fearless church. And just before Linnea comes, I want to just... My message is done. I want to talk to you for a moment. If you're here today and you don't really walk with Jesus, you may come to church, but you don't really walk with him. You don't really know him. You know about him. But, he's, but that thing has not happened inside of you that has to happen where your whole world lights up. I want to share with you. You might say, what would Jesus say to me. I've done this. I've been that. I've been there. I've done this. What would he say to me? I know what he would say to you. You might even say, yeah, what would he say to me? I'm not even sure I believe in him. What would Jesus say to me? I know exactly what he would say to you. Jesus would say to you, no matter where you are in life today, here's what Jesus would say to you.
follow me. Follow me. Jesus gave that invitation, and some walked away and went and built their life and built their business and died. Others he gave that invitation to, they laid everything down, and they followed him, and they're still living to this very day. They're still alive. What would Jesus say to you today, no matter where you've been, no matter how you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you believe, what would Jesus say to you today? He would say this, follow me. I'm going to ask every head to bow, every eye to close, and I wonder if right now those words would resonate in your heart and in your spirit, and maybe you've been walking all around Jesus, maybe you've been coming to and fro, in and out, but today you're hearing his word in your heart, follow me, and you would be willing to do what Matthew did and to do what what James and John did and to do what Peter and Andrew did, and that is to forsake everything to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, I'm going to ask you to let me pray a prayer for you. Here's the prayer. I hear you. I hear you say, follow me. You know what I've done. You know where I've been. You know where I'm at. You know my doubts. But I hear you say, follow me. And I say, okay, I'm going to follow you. I make that decision right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Who just made that decision? Who just heard that voice? Would you slip your hand up? This would be your first obedient act of following Jesus is owning it by slipping your hand up high and saying, today I'm making that decision. I don't know what it involves. I don't even know what it means. I'm not sure how to do it, but I'm in. I today want to follow Jesus. Would you put your hand up high if you just prayed that? If you just said that, thank you. God bless you. Thank you back there and here and over there. I'm seeing hands go up across the building. God bless you. The Lord is wonderful. I just want to, for those of you who have you, look, oh, I see bold hands up high, and that's beautiful. That's strong. That's strong. And another hand. Thank you. God, just wait a moment, please. Jesus is saying, follow me, and, and people are responding, saying, I will follow you. I don't know what it means, but I will follow you. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. So, Heavenly Father, you see these hands, and you see these hearts, and you see the decision, the life-changing decision that's being made right now, that I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you. And, Lord, Holy Spirit, come upon them right now. And, Lord, strengthen them, I pray. Thank you for their boldness and for their courage. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a big hand and give these folks a big hand. Hey, again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.